Good morning and welcome. Good morning. Thank you. <laughs> and the Lord be with you. grace and peace of the living Christ be with us all. It is a joy to share with you, to gather in this time of worship, and to remember on, on this Sunday in February that now and always we are an Easter people. As we look at our bulletin covers, we see some scripture that we'll be spending some time with from 1 Corinthians 15, in which the Apostle Paul speaks to the church about the matter of the resurrection. So I welcome this opportunity to share in that word with you. Uh, even though the day of Easter is but a few months away, we have occasion to remember now and always we are an Easter people. As we gather, it is a joy to be with each of you, especially those who may be visiting. We are blessed by the presence of our guest. Pray this is a blessed time for us all as we worship Christ together. And just a reminder that we have some registration pads in our pews because it is of help to us to know that you share in worship at First Church this morning. As we do so, we are mindful that in this time of worship, we remember the service that Christ entrusts to us. So yesterday, uh, the third Saturday of the month, as each third Saturday of the month, we gathered for the ministry of the food bank and clothes closet by way of the food bank. 135 families were served, a total of 141 boxes packed, and a total of 442 people served. By way of the clothes closet, 97 families were served, totaling 341 people. Again, this is a church-wide ministry and effort. Thank you for your support and your gifts that make these ministries happen. And just a reminder that this will happen again on March the 16th, each third Saturday. And we're grateful for the help from volunteers, from staff, and also from Magna Vista Beta Club students. We see ministries before us as we look ahead and hoping that next Sunday in particular, you will gather after this time of worship in the fellowship hall as we uh, extend our gratitude and celebrate the ministries uh, of which Annette Huckfelt has provided great leadership for many years so that reception and time of celebration will take place in the fellowship hall following this time of worship. Also, as we worship next Sunday, we will do so in the midst of our general conference. On the 23rd, the General Conference of the United Methodist Church will begin in St. Louis, and it will extend until February the 26th. So our time of worship, we will be aware of that, but it will also be a time of celebration uh, of what God is able to do through us as this church. We will share together in, in all the uh, celebration and gratitude for the ministries that God entrusts to us as his people, grateful for the work that God continues uh, by way of this church in particular and by way of the United Methodist Church in general. I'll invite us now to prepare to worship God together.
we stand as we share in our call to worship. Christ is risen. Hallelujah. On this day we celebrate resurrection. The power of life overcomes the power of death. Hallelujah. The light of love shatters the darkness of fear. Hallelujah. The way of peace prevails against the violence of empire. go to God as we pray our opening prayer before us. Let us pray. 
God of grace, form us into your Easter people. Too often we hang on to our own fear and a despair. Forgive us when we fail to love others as you love us. Help us to live into the mystery of resurrection and new life so that we may embody hope. Breathe into us your spirit as we live out your good news in this world. Amen. We proclaim the word of God first as it comes to us from the first psalm, number 738 in our hymnals, and we will share responsibly in this psalm, singing the first response, which will be played, and then the choir will offer it, and then we will share in that response on its third offering. First we pray. Lord, you speak your word, and we are made new. We are stirred to life. We are called to share and to live in the light of resurrection. We thank you for this body of Christ, of how you bring us together, you unite us and to make us one, and how you sustain us, to nourish us and inspire us with the proclaiming of your word. Amen. Blessed are those who do not walk in the counsel of the wicked, or stand in the way of sinners, or sit in the seat of scoffers. But their delight is in the law of the Lord. And on God's law they meditate day and night. They are like trees planted by streams of water that yield their fruit in season, and their leaves do not wither. wicked are not so, but are like chaff which the wind drives away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous.
This is the word of our Lord. Thanks be to God. I invite our children to come forward as we share in our children's time. Good morning, children. Well, I brought something with me that, that relates to uh, something we shared in this past week. And you may know what we're talking about here. What was, the, what was this past week? There was a celebration. Valentine's Day. Right. Did, I, I hope you all had a nice Valentine's Day. We, I had some treats that my wife was nice enough to make and to bring in here to the church. Because we, we enjoy Valentine's Day. And val- tell me about your Valentine's Day. Did you get some nice, nice stuff? Did you get cards, chocolate? Had a nice Valentine's Day? Well, what are some of the words that we think of when we think of Valentine's Day? Think of love. Might think of chocolate, might think of flowers, might think of hearts, might think of red, might think of Valentine's. But we think of love. And that's wonderful. It's wonderful to have that that particular day, especially in the winter months, to remember love and to tell one another, we love you. Well, within the church, that's a message we want to remember not just on February 14th and not just on one day of the year, but throughout the year because our scriptures speak to us many times of God's love for us, perhaps the most famous scriptures for God so loved the world that he gave his son for us. So from beginning to end of our Bible, we know that we are people that God has made and that God loves, and that God's love is without end, his love is without condition, and his love is for every day, in every season, in every month of the year. So while it's nice that we may have a, a certain day to remember love and to show that love, We know that whether we're sleeping, whether we're waking, whether we're happy, whether we're sad, whether it's raining, whether the sun is shining, that God loves us always. Not just one day, not just one season, but always. And we are here in this place of worship with one another because God has first loved us, because God loves us now, and because God is going to love us as we go from this place. So we're grateful for the love of God and grateful to to remember that and to have the opportunity to pray and to, uh, to go to God in prayer. So if you'll repeat after me, let us pray. Lord, we thank you that you do love us, that your love for us is every day without end. May we be grateful for your love and share this love with one another. In Jesus' name, amen. mine.
come from 1 Corinthians, the 15th chapter, verses 12 through 20. We share the word of God as it is delivered by the Apostle Paul to the church in Corinth. Let us hear the word of God. Now, if Christ is preached as raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ has not been raised. If Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain, and your faith is in vain. We are even found to be misrepresenting God, because we testified of God that he raised Christ, whom he did not raise, if it is true that the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised. If Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile, and you are still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If for this life only we have hoped in Christ, we are of all men and women most to be pitied. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. This is the word of our Lord. Early in my ministry, I attended a clergy event at the former Virginia Conference Assembly Center in Blackstone. One day during this event, I sat at table enjoying lunch with other clergy who were, like me, new to serving the local church as a pastor. While our lunchtime conversation fell into discussing matters of worship in our churches, Specifically, we began to speak about the seasons of the church year, and then to speak of the colors which represent these seasons. As you can tell, we clergy have the most exciting of conversations. Well, this in turn led to some conversation about the robes we wear in leading worship. In addition to a black robe, I also have a white robe, and So I said to those at table with me, I I have a white robe, and it was given to me by a church I served while in seminary, but I wear it only at Easter. Well, another young pastor at the table, a young man who looked way too happy to be a pastor, (laughs) smiled in response to what I had said. He then chirped for all to hear, well, every Sunday's Easter, Is he right? Now I know, and and you know, what this young pastor is saying. Every time we worship, we do so with some measure of witness to the Easter proclamation, he is risen. By gathering on the first day of the week, we witness to the fact that it was on the first day of the week that the tomb of Christ was found to be empty and the risen Christ first appeared to the witnesses. So it cannot be denied there is some truth in the proclamation of this young pastor every Sunday is Easter. So we may ask, is is today Easter? Now we may know one thing we know about Easter is that it speaks to celebrating Jesus raised from the dead. But we read the scriptures and we discover 
Jesus is not the only person raised from the dead. Even in the Old Testament, there are those persons who are raised from the dead. The prophet Elijah, raised from the dead, the son of the widow of Zarephath. The prophet Elisha, raised from the dead, the son of a Shunammite woman. Then, get this, after Elisha is dead and buried, there are certain men burying another body near the body of Elisha. As these men dig a grave, they see a band of raiders from the land of Moab quickly approaching. Well, rather than hang around and risk their fate to these Moabite thugs, these grave diggers quickly throw the man's body into the grave of Elisha, whereupon the body touched Elisha's bones, and the man came to life and stood up on his feet. It's in the Bible. We remember those in the Bible raised from the dead. We think of Lazarus, how could we not? Yet there are others raised from the dead by Jesus. In the Gospel of Luke, Jesus, during a funeral procession, raises from the dead the son of a widow from the town of Nain. Shortly after this, Jesus raises the 12-year-old daughter of Jairus, the leader of a synagogue. The book of Acts tells us that even the apostles of Jesus had power to raise persons from the dead. Peter raises a beloved woman named Tabitha. The apostle Paul will raise a man named Eutychus, who had fallen asleep while Paul preached. <laughs> Apparently this has been going on for a while. Well, Eutychus, sleeping, then slipped from a window, fell three floors down to his death, and Paul, more forgiving than a lot of pastors, went and raised him to, the, from, to life. Now, these, these stories are, are powerful. They're inspiring. It's true. Still, we don't speak of these stories as resurrection stories. These are not the stories we share on Easter morning, not the stories we share when we read the resurrection story come April 21st. These stories of persons raised from the dead, they're not found in every gospel. The resurrection of Jesus is found in every gospel. These stories of persons raised from the dead are not found in the letters of Paul or in other New Testament writings. The resurrection of Jesus found everywhere. It appears there's a difference between being raised from the dead and resurrection, and Paul speaks to us this morning of resurrection. We believe in the resurrection of the dead. And while it's important for us to know what we say by way of this confession, it's also important to notice what we are not saying when we say we believe in the resurrection of the dead. For instance, we are not saying we believe in resuscitation. We're not saying we believe in the immortality of the soul. We have heard of near death, life after death experiences, 
We're not talking about those. We believe in the resurrection of the dead. But we read this scripture from Paul written to the young church in the city of Corinth. And we read these words, words indicating not everyone at that time and place believed in the resurrection of the dead. Now, if Christ is preached as raised from the dead, says Paul, how can some of you say there is no resurrection of the dead? And I know it may be tempting for us to wonder how these early members of the church so close to the ministry of Jesus could say there's no resurrection of the dead, but perhaps we do well to try to understand their difficulty in believing in such a thing as the resurrection of the dead. I mean, there's really no precedent for this resurrection of Jesus. True, there were others raised from the dead, only to die again. But not so with Jesus. He died, lives again, to die no more. So let's be fair. How do we understand that? What are we talking about on this side of resurrection? A certain student transferred to a university had lunch with one of his professors recently. The student said to the professor, I want to tell you some, some stuff about me so you'll know me a little better. Okay. Well, I think I've had kind of an interesting life up to this point, the student says. I was kind of your teenager from hell. I gave my parents fits. Well, that's not an unusual story around here. No, I mean like they had me committed to a mental institution for a year. Really? Yeah, but I broke out. And I became a prostitute in Chicago for about a year. And I beat up this guy that took his credit card and I signed his name to it, bought a bunch of drugs and stuff. Police caught me. I was eventually sent to jail for embezzlement. And I went to the state penitentiary in Joliet for a year. Wow, I, I thought you meant something you did with teenagers, cheerleaders in high school or something. That's not a story I hear around here all the time. Well, anyway, when I was in jail, this older prisoner took me under his wing to protect me from some of the other prisoners. And he started reading me the Bible. Started with the Gospel of Matthew, reading a chapter every night, talking to me about it, asking me where I find myself in this story. And by the time we got toward the end of the Gospel of Mark, Jesus just came in there and stood in front of me, shook me up and down, turned me around one side and down the other. I just got saved. When I got out of jail, I finished high school, was graduated with honors, and I got a full scholarship to a state school. I'm on full scholarship here. And I tell you this, because I know you got Easter coming up and everything, and I thought, you know, you could use like a, a good illustration. And the student concludes with tears in his eyes, matching the tears of his professor, saying, you know, if you need any like, like evidence for Easter, you could point to me if you want to. 
It all depends on resurrection. That doesn't happen without resurrection. It doesn't happen without a God who takes that which was dead and makes it live again. It doesn't happen without a God who makes all things new. It doesn't happen without a God who is victorious over evil, a God who lives, died, but lives again. Now, our faith story may or may not be as dramatic as this, Still, we look at the witness of our lives and we find those stories, those experiences, witnessing to resurrection. I was speaking with one of our uptown neighbors this past Thursday morning. He was remembering our last Donuts on the Corner ministry of a couple of weeks ago. As he remembered driving down Church Street with his young daughter, he laughed as he recalled how as they sat at the red light, his daughter was anxious to receive a donut, only to have the light turn green. <laughs> Sending this neighbor and his daughter on their way without their donut. He laughed as he remembered this, and I smiled with him, told him he and his daughter will have another chance to enjoy their donuts the first Monday in March. Then the conversation turned a little more serious. Because as this neighbor spoke of how he appreciates our ministry, he felt led to speak of how his faith compels him to reach out to his neighbors. He spoke of going to the nearby McDonald's, of buying food there that he will give to the needy in this community. He spoke of occasions he has to travel to Greensboro or to Myrtle Beach, how he will buy cases of bottled water beforehand to hand out to the needy he will meet on street corners there. I had not awakened Thursday morning expecting that conversation. I don't believe my uptown friend awakened expecting to have that conversation. But the conversation took place. This conversation, speaking of hospitality, reaching out to neighbors, gestures of grace. When any number of other conversations could have taken place, this is the conversation that took place Thursday morning. Is it not because we live as those drawn within the resurrection of Christ? Is it not because the resurrection of Jesus compels us to witness to life lived in the light of one who is victorious over death, one who removes all things that would separate us from God, one who makes all things new? This is the one who brings into being those things that have never been. The one who takes that which was dead and makes it live again. The God who takes the worst that life has to offer and transforms it to his glory. The God who assures us the worst thing is never the last thing. The God who takes even the service we call a funeral and turns it into witness to resurrection. 
Paul tells us, it all depends on resurrection. Our witness depends upon and happens only because of resurrection. Our faith exists only because of resurrection. Resurrection of which this community and world need to know, of which this community and world need to experience. Resurrection witnessing to the way in which God acts in his world, a God never defeated, a God who overcomes all that would oppose him, a God of life abundant, resurrection life. Well, it may be true that not every day is Easter, but it's also true that more than one day a year is Easter, such as today a day in which we witness and believe and experience again the one who has overcome death and calls us today to live in the life of resurrection. Amen. I invite us to stand and respond to the word by affirming our faith with words of scripture from 1 Corinthians and Colossians. This is the good news which we have received, in which we stand, and by which we are saved. Christ died for our sins. As we stand, we welcome one another as we pass the peace of our living Christ.
worship God as our ushers will come forward and we receive God's tithes and our offerings. abundant life, the promise of resurrection life. You give us the opportunity to worship and serve you by returning these gifts to you, the giver, and we trust that in your care they share the good news of Christ our Lord.
as this community of faith, we go to God as we pray, and we will do so with the prayers of the people. So I will name various petitions, including each of those petitions with the words, Lord, in your mercy. I'll invite from you the response, hear our prayer. I invite you to name those concerns you would like to speak as we worship as well. We go to God as we pray. We pray, Lord, that we would know the power of resurrection beyond one day of the year. We pray that by your spirit you would call us to know that we are now and always an Easter people. That we are sustained by, we are brought into being by, we are inspired by the good news that though Christ died, he lives again. It is with us always, even until the end of the age. Meaning he's with us now. Meaning he is with us as we go from this place. Meaning wherever we may find ourselves, we are those who are drawn now and always within the good news of resurrection. For this witness for this life lived in the light of resurrection. We give you thanks. Lord, in your mercy. Hear us, Lord, as we pray for the people of this congregation. Lord, in your mercy. Lord, in your mercy. Hear us, Lord, as we pray for those who suffer and to those in trouble. Lord, in your mercy. Lord, in your mercy. Hear us, Lord, as we pray for the concerns of this community. Lord, in your mercy. Lord, in your mercy. Lord, as we pray for your world, its peoples, and its leaders, Lord, in your mercy. Lord, in your mercy. Hear us, Lord, as we pray for your church, its leaders, its members, and its mission. Lord, in your mercy.
Bishop Lewis, Janina Howard, General Conference and the delegates. Lord, in your mercy. Hear our prayers. And hear our prayers gathered with those of your saints, those whose witness lives on, and those whose voices are drawn to ours, praying with us as Christ has taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory.
he does live. That's why we're here. And he lives sending us as a light into this community and beyond. And he lives assuring us that now and always we belong to God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you.